Hello and welcome to We Live on a Planet. I am your host, Patrick. If it's your first time over here at We Live on a Planet, it's just a personal journal with a variety show flair. This one is episode 494. I'm labeling this one, Change the Ending. It's Monday, June 28th, 2021. Let's put one in for the archives for the weather right here in the fine city of Oswego, New York, in central New York. It's 79 degrees with the feels like temperature of 82 degrees Fahrenheit. It's about, highs are gonna be about 81 today. Winds are out of the south, southwest, six miles per hour. It is steamy in the studios this morning, early. It was so hot yesterday. We'll talk about that. We'll talk about all kinds of stuff right here at We Live on a Planet. I'm so happy you found me. If you're coming back, welcome back. If it's your first time here, sit back, relax, enjoy the show. We just uh, talk some stuff and things. We'll be right back. Just like that, we're back. All right, let's start the show with our quote. We usually start the show with a quote, and it can be a mantra or a quote, and this one's from C.S. Lewis. You can't go back and change the beginning, but you can start where you are and change the ending. C.S. Lewis. You can't go back and change the beginning, but you can start where you are and change the ending. Rusty Gong. C.S. Lewis. That's true, I think. I'm trying to change the ending of my life. It's not set. Every day is a new day. We talked the other day is everything maybe predetermined, predestined. That's a whole nother show, a whole nother rabbit hole. Today, what I wanted to talk about amongst a lot of things is my, if you follow the show, you know that I had my open water dive this weekend and it was awesome. It was really fun. It was a great time. It was a quite an experience. I'm mentally drained, just keeping my stuff together. Um, but I did it, and I'm happy about that. And uh, I changed the ending right there a little bit, just a little bit. But, yeah, so I just want to shout out to my coach, Carl. We just call him Coach. And Scott and Pete, those were two of the other dive masters that were on the boat with us aboard the arrow is the name of it the arrow is chartered out of hammond new york is where i was just past alexandria bay just a rock throw from canada my friends right there in the north i noticed that because i stayed at a groovy little airbnb in briar hill new york called the schoolhouse cottage inn in the thousand islands and my host scott was fantastic it's a one room schoolhouse it was so quiet so cozy very nice it was only about 17 minute drive to hammond new york where i had to go to uh Sher- what is it sherman horn landing is the name of the landing that i went to it's just a small boat landing but that's where the arrow the boat that i dove off from is chartered out of and we get to dive. When I went and did my dive, I dove over a shipwreck called the Keystorm, the name of the ship. The, the ship went down the same year as the Titanic. And if I think that was ni- 1912 or 1914, one or the other. 
but there's a placard on the ship that you see as you can only see if you're scuba diving and uh that was really neat to see that but you're in the river and the river is alive and it was so different than the pool which is a sterile environment and everything is controlled it's only what nine feet deep maybe here i'm going to be certified to go 60 foot dive is my open water dive and i had everything was set saturday we did our first dive and the weather was a little choppy we had some rain and the visibility wasn't very great it's kind of green water your mo the water's moving like i said the river's just alive so it's you're just getting pummeled with all of these sensory things that are going on you've got you're trying to pay attention to your your dive coach you're trying to pay attention to everything you're doing and um yeah i did really fine it at one time i was about 20 or 25 feet down and i got like a little nerve came over me of just the the thought of how deep i was and if anything were to go wrong what do you do and you're trying to remember of all your training and all that kind of stuff and i just remembered to slow down relax concentrate on my breath that's the whole reason why i got into scuba the whole reason i've always wanted to do it anyways but i suffer with a lot of anxieties and um scuba diving i did a lot of research and shows that it can help with depression and anxiety because you have to concentrate on the breathing and it's a slow methodical sport and it's something that you have to keep your wits to and pay attention to exactly what you're doing and that's going to keep your mind on one thing as opposed to this racing brain that i have and i got that with scuba diving and uh i want to tell you more about that right when we come back from the break so stick around welcome back all right so saturday i had two dives my first dive like i said went well but the visibility was it was just different you know it was something so different than the pool you're going down the mooring line that's bringing you down the key to the key storm and it's at a probably like at a 20 some odd degree angle of the mooring line and you're just going down slowly equalizing your pressure in your ears the, the whole time and I had a seven millimeter wetsuit on. I was afraid I was gonna be cold. If you do follow the show, you know that I said that I was, the water is only, was only 61 or 62 degrees Fahrenheit. And um, I was a little nervous about getting cold because when I was in the pool, which was heated, I my body didn't get cold, but my fingertips, I have terrible um, circulation and my hands and fingertips got really cold, even with gloves. And so I was a little, thinking that that might happen and that didn't happen at all and then on the second dive um, you have to wait after your first dive because of safety reasons and then after the our, on our second dive the visibility was a lot better you're doing all your skill sets and you're learning and uh, you get over on the port side of the board boat um, port is the left side easy way to remember port and starboard right and left of a boat 
just remember that port has four letters and so does the left. So you remember port is the left, starboard right. That's how I remember it. Um, okay, so when you get over to the port side, that's where there's quite a few fish hanging out. Just um, bass, perch, these little invasive species called gobies. They're little little fish that have the eyes kind of popped up to the top of their head. Zebra mussels are just ab abundant. That's another invasive species that came into the St. Lawrence River. That's where it is that I dove um, years and years ago. And according to Coach and also just other people that I talked to and divers and knowing this area because I live right on Lake Ontario, the zebra mussels, um, invasive species, but what they have done is clarified the water and made the visibility really, 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 really much better than what it was years past, but they're invasive and the gobies do eat them, um, but they're sharp and you gotta be careful. Good thing I had gloves on because like I said, you're in the river which is alive. It's, it's, it's a moving, a living creature and you're in the current. So learning to dive in the river equals better diver to me in the long run because when I get into such lakes like maybe Skinny Atlas Lake or Onondaga Lake, these are lakes that are near me instead of Lake Ontario which is quite large um, one of the Great Lakes, but when I get into one of those smaller lakes, it's going to feel so different compared to being in the river. My brother-in-law, who is certified diver as well, he learned to dive in a quarry. So that was a controlled situation in my mind too, because yeah, you learned in the pool, but and then you got in a quarry, which is man-made and um, just totally different so I'm looking forward to having that just a little bit of advantage in in my uh, under my belt of learning to dive in the river so like I said it's kind of balmy here in the studios this morning yesterday it was so hot in the city of Oswego it was hot everywhere it was like I think 92 degrees Fahrenheit and we are right on I live right on the lake shores of Lake Ontario and that Lake Ontario can be our air conditioner in the summer and then in the winter, it can be our heater and help us out. And I got home from my open water dive. I see I'm rambling so much. I didn't even finish to tell you how Sunday went Sunday. I'll tell you about that right when we come back. I'm just I was so excited to talk to you. I'll talk to you about the weather and then Sunday right when we come back. Stick around. I just get so excited once I know I'm talking to you and you're here listening and you're spending time with me I always say time is the most valuable gift you ever gave me um so yeah it was so hot here in the city of Oswego and I got so Sunday though the dive Saturdays two day or two dives Sunday two dives dive in the morning dive in the afternoon and then that would my last dive would have been my certification and I would have finished um, Sunday came and the weather was supposed to be very warm in Hammond and so I was looking forward to that but unfortunately there was a small craft advisory out on the river and the arrow is quite large it's not a small craft it's a large boat but for safety reasons coach called off the dive and 
that made me feel fine. I felt really, I, coach has over 5,000 dives. If he says he doesn't want to take us out, I'm not going out. I live and was born and raised right here, right on the lake, and I respect the water greatly, and I know how quickly Lake Ontario can change on you, and the waters around here in New York can change very quickly, and uh, so we didn't do our dive, and so it was a bit disappointing to not get my certification, because your last dive is kind of your fun dive. You're basically done with your skill sets, and now it's just going to blow bubbles with your instructors, and um, we had to call off Sunday. So I came home a little early, and I was thinking it was going to be so hot in the house, and like I was saying, it was 92 degrees, and I opened up the door in the house, and it was so cool, and I was like, oh, my wife really closed up the house really early, and she was upstairs in bed sleeping because she works on the weekends. And I was trying to be all quiet and stealthy so I didn't wake her up and wanted to surprise her when she got up that I was home. And um, she gets up and comes downstairs, and I was like, man, you really got this place. You know, you closed everything off. It felt, it was still, like, inside 81, but compared to outside, it felt so much different. And she was like, yeah, when you were gone, I put the air conditioner in the window. So she manhandled the air conditioner all by herself and got that into the window in our bedroom and had it running. And usually that's all we do is we put it in our upstairs bedroom, leave our door open and have it running. And um, it cools the house. Obviously, the upstairs cools it down so you can sleep and everything. That's what you need to do. The downstairs it makes it it's still a little balmy but we've been here for almost 10 years and been doing fine without ac downstairs so maybe we'll go fine without ac this year too i want to jump back one moment um i'm jumping around a little bit if you follow the show you know that's what we do if you know me in person i'm kind of like that too i can get sidetracked <laughs> um but I wanted to go back to my Airbnb really quick uh, at Briar Hill, New York. It was so quiet and cozy in this one-room schoolhouse that um, it was at a four-way stop. But that didn't matter because it was like out in the middle of nowhere. There was no houses around me. It's just this one-room schoolhouse at a four-way stop. No street lights, no nothing, just fields as far as your eyes can see. And then... Uh, I was up very early, and next thing you know, I start hearing hoof clicking of the hoofs. Oh, no, actually, it was Saturday when I got there after my dive, and I start hearing clicking of hoofs, and it was either Amish or Mennonite, or I'm not sure, but they had the buggy, the horse-drawn buggy with the milk crates going down the road, and it was just awesome, and it just really... Uh, it made for a nice stay. It made for a nice little getaway. And it was fun to do. And I'm just one step closer. So this Friday, this coming Friday, I will be jumping aboard the Arrow once again to finish off my last dive with Coach and uh, Scott, who I made a friend with Scott. Him and I became Facebook friends. And Scott, he's quite the diver, and he helped me out so much more than he knows and uh he dives with a dry suit that's a totally different type of diving and 
it was just interesting watching his whole setup and watching him get ready and watching the seeing what a dry suit is like and what it entails. It was fun. It was fun. All right, let's learn something besides me just rambling. We'll be right back. Welcome back, my friends. All right, let's learn something. If you follow the show, you know that I ramble a little bit, and then we end up going over and uh, learning some things. If it's your first time here, you're like, what, what's going on? We're going to learn something. Have you ever heard of a strawberry moon? I'm over at the fact site, and I encourage you to go check out the fact site. This is uh, from Becca Marsh, and I've never heard of a strawberry moon. The strawberry moon sounds like a fruity dessert but it refers to the full moon of June. Moon names come from ancient cultures and often reflect seasonal occurrences in nature. What is a strawberry moon? The strawberry moon is the first full moon of June. It is considered the first full moon of the summer and marks the end of spring. The strawberry moon uh, signifies that the summer season has begun. It is rare, but the strawberry moon can, can coincide with the summer solstice, the longest day of the year. Why is it called the strawberry moon? It's called the strawberry moon because it arrives when all the trees are bearing fruit. The strawberry moon occurs at the beginning of the harvesting season. From June, you can harvest berries, fruit, and hay, making the start of gathering food. Well, who first called it a strawberry moon? The lunar cycle was first used as an ancient way of keeping track of the time of year. There are 13 full moon cycles in each lunar cycle, and each moon was given a name to reflect relevant seasons and events in nature. The North American Anglican tribes called, the strawberry, called it the strawberry moon, so they knew when it was time to harvest the wild fruits. Strawberries are a native fruit to the northern hemisphere and would have been an important part of our diet. Naming the monthly moons allowed humans to keep track of the seasons to know when it was the correct time of the year for to forage. forage. The name stems from various northern hemisphere cultures and tribes as across this segment of the globe. Many trees and bushes would be covered in perfectly ripe fruits ready to be picked. Is it always called a strawberry moon? Although the strawberry moon is the most well-known name for the first, first full moon in June, there are other names, Europeans called June Moon, the Honeymoon, Mead Moon, and Rose Moon. Honeymoon is said to have arrived from the ancient Romans. It was very, it was very common for people to marry in June, as this month is named after Juno, the goddess of marriage. Honey, or mead, was often given to the newlywed couple during the first mood moon of their marriage. It is said that the moon name is where we get the term honeymoon from. That's where we learned that or got that from. Traditionally in ancient Europe, you would have your honeymoon holiday around the full moon after marriage as it would symbolize the first or the fullest part of the marriage. Another European name for strawberry moon is the rose moon. In Europe, roses have reached their peak by June. And this is when they are full bloom and ready to pick. I think that's pretty neat. I think uh, the strawberry moon of 2021 is a super moon. On average, there are three super moons per lunar year. However, 
2021 is expected to have four. So I think that's pretty neat. We learned a little bit about uh, the strawberry moon and maybe where the word honeymoon came from. I think that's pretty groovy. I encourage you to head on over to the fact site and you can learn a lot more than just what strawberry moons are. You can learn about all kinds of stuff over there. Stick around when we come back. We're going to find out what happened on this day of history. We'll be right back. And we are back. And I am, I'm, I'm so happy you're here. But I'm glad that the show's starting to wrap up because it is balmy in the studios this morning. I'm feeling it. My, my upper lip's a little sweaty. All right, we are going to learn something on this day of history. We're over at the History Channel's website now. I encourage you to head on over to the History Channel's website. Learn something in history. It's fun. Um, we learn from history, and then that way we, sometimes we don't have to repeat it, even though history often repeats itself. As always, we're going to just skim the top, skim the fat layer. And um, if you want to learn more, I encourage you to just go to the history dot com historychannels.com and you can open up the articles and read more such as on this day sometime after midnight on june 28th in 1969 in not, in what is now regarded by many as history's first protest on behalf of equal rights for lgbtq people a police raid of the stonewall inn a popular gay club located on new york city's christopher street turns violent as patrons and local sympathizers begin rioting against the authorities. The Stonewall Riots begin in New York City's Greenwich Village. Stonewall Riots, 1969. What else happened on this day of history? We're just going to scroll down. 2007. Bald Eagle is removed from the list of threatened species. Yay, that's good. There's um, a lot of bald eagles right here in the city of Oswego and around the area, and it's nice to see them around. The first time I saw a bald eagle was in the late 70s in um, Cape Canaveral, Florida, going to see the space shuttle and all that. This, uh, the space shuttle wasn't even, was it out yet? We went to there. And uh, I remember getting freeze-dried ice cream, um, spaceman ice cream, or astronaut ice cream. All right, I got sidetracked. We're still on the History Channel's 1953 Invention and Science. Worker, workers assemble the first Corvette in Flint, Michigan in 1953. I have an uncle who owns, who's had two Corvettes the Z06 models. I think Corvettes are cool when I was a young guy, but right now, being the age I am, I wouldn't want to own one because I would be that quote-unquote guy because I'm that age. I do have my hair, though. I'm not balding or anything, but usually I, when I think of a Corvette, I think of like a 50-year-old balding dude driving a cherry red Corvette or just a bright red Corvette, and I'm like, nope. <laughs> I would rather drive like a Lexus or a BMW or an Audi. 
Uh, Vietnam War, 1965, the U.S. forces launched first offensive. That happened in 1965. Um, and speaking of Vietnam War, in 1972, Nixon announces draftees will not go to Vietnam. You can r read more and learn about that. Sports, 1997, Mike Tyson bites the ear of Evander Holyfield. Remember that? If you're old enough to know that, he bit the ear of his opponent. Yeah. Natural disaster in 1992. Two big earthquakes rock California. Some really big ones. Daimler Chrysler announces Smart's arrival in the United States in 2006. And then we have American Revolution, 1836. Former President James Madison dies. And I think that's pretty good for the History Channel's website. I Like I said, I really just skimmed the fat today on it. And um, we got a little wrinkle on our brain, though. So that's, that's pretty good. Stick around when we come back. We'll finish off the show. Yeah, that one went by kind of quick. Remember, you can't go back and change the beginning, but you can start where you are and change the ending. C.S. Lewis. Thank you for letting me ramble to you today in some kind of maybe cohesive type of thought. Um, I had more to talk about. I'm sure I forgot I kind of just, I write a little bit of show notes and then everything is always unedited, unscripted, one and done because I'm just having a conversation between friends. So if there's a lot of ums and uhs or anything like that, that's the way it is. I appreciate you. I appreciate your time. The most valuable gift you could ever give me. Please tell a friend about We Live on a Planet. That's one of the ways that we Live on a Planet gains more listenership if you're enjoying the show. You can also head on over to my website, WLOAP.com. From there, there's all my contact information of where to find me on all the social media platforms. Way to leave a voicemail for me if you want to be a part of the show or if you want to give me some feedback. It will ring five times before it goes to my voicemail. Just a heads up there. And... We Live on a Planet is something that my personal journal, like I said, that I've been doing for almost 500 episodes, that I'm not quite sure what it is myself. Um, I was on TikTok and I put up little snippets of video of my show. And it's just the audio with a picture. And somebody commented saying, I really enjoy what they said. I don't understand your TikTok page, but all I can, I'm, and I'm paraphrasing, but all I can say is that you should go and look into voice acting because your voice is great for that. And I said to them, I don't quite understand what my TikTok is either. And it's the same thing about We Live on a Planet. It's hard to describe the show to somebody, to myself, even though I've been doing it for almost 500 episodes. If I had to do my elevator pitch and stand on an elevator and tell them what the show is about, it's kind of difficult. It's basically 
it's always almost the same rinse and repeat, but you're going to get the difference of, of what's going on in my life. You're always going to learn something, but you never know what might be going on in my life. And I'm trying to share my life of what's going on. And I'm also trying to break the stigma of mental health of people looking down at it and thinking that it's a choice. I also like to talk about my sobriety of something that I'm very proud of. And I'm coming up on six years that I'm celebrating. So thank you for your time. The most valuable gift you could ever give me. I appreciate you. Tune in again. We'll talk to you again. Like I said, please tell a friend about We Live on a Planet. And do your best today to stay curious and not judgmental. I'll talk to you again real soon. Peace.